you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Season with Peter Schrager. I am Peter Schrager. I am joined by my producer and friend, Aaron Wong Kaufman, and also Jason English from the iHeartMedia team. What uh, 48 hours for New York football. Uh, I got to start in New York as we go to the Sunday night experience to the Monday night experience and do a quick snippet on just the total polar opposites of how you can feel after a loss. Uh, Jets Sunday night, Aaron, they're down 17, nothing. They start with this ridiculous safety and then they get a field goal of 17 to five. And then all of a sudden it starts clicking and Zach Wilson begins outplaying Mahomes. I joked on, uh, on Monday mornings, good morning football that I thought, you know, did Mahomes go out the night before? Like was Mahomes the one out with, Taylor Swift till three in the morning at zero bond because all of a sudden Mahomes is throwing ducks and he's getting intercepted. And if mostly picks that one off, and doesn't drop it. Who knows what else can happen? Um, and Zach Wilson starts looking like not only a competent quarterback, a good quarterback. The first drive of the third quarter of that Jets Chiefs game, Zach Wilson gets the ball and takes it right down the field. Throws a couple beautiful, beautiful passes, a beautiful touchdown pass to Al Mazard. And then on the two point conversion, looks like Brett Favre running around with his head cut off and gets the two point conversion, gives everything he can to get in there. Um, yes, there was the fumble and yes, they lost. But after the game, Mahomes pulls in Zach Wilson and is like, you got it. Like it was like the coolest moment if you're Zach Wilson. And if you put yourself in Zach Wilson's shoes for just a second, for the last two years, all you read about, all you see is that you suck. You're awful. You're a bust. You don't have it. The season's over. You're a punching bag. And I'm as guilty of this as anyone in the media. Like you just, you take something that's, it's almost like this like rotting carcass. And then like you feel the need to like kick it one more time. And that's what we do in the media. And that's what it is. But it was based on the fact that he couldn't 
play well and he couldn't do it. Well, then suddenly you have this performance on Sunday night and it's a loss and the Jets are one and three and the season is likely not going anywhere. But you wake up Monday morning as a Jets fan and you feel good. You know, we've had Hank Azaria on the time on the show countless times. And Hank tells you, like, you know, you feel like you just you don't deserve nice things. Well, yes, they lost, but you got to feel nice things when Zach Wilson has this moment of hope, this glimmer of positivity. And if there isn't that controversial holding call on Sauce Gardner, who knows? Maybe Zach Wilson has an opportunity to go 70 yards and they win that game and it's even better. But at the very least, if Zach Wilson doesn't have another good game in his career, at least we saw that this is what the Jets saw in him and what they saw in practice. And there's some chance of, of positivity from Zach Wilson. Meanwhile, less than 24 hours later, the Giants game starts and they've got a quarterback who makes $40 million a year, who goes out there and throws one of the most inexplicable pick sixes to Devin Weatherspoon to put the game away. Also was sacked 11 times behind an offensive line that, Yes, is down their left tackle, but has plenty of talent that they have brought in in the draft and free agency. I don't know where Darren Waller is in this offense. I don't know where uh, Paris Campbell has been. You know, Wandale Robinson's wide open deep. Daniel Jones doesn't see him. Sterling Shepard makes good money. I don't see him on the field. I don't know what Darius Slayton's been up to. Uh, the Giants, big ticket quarterback, first round pick they doubled down on, and now, in hindsight, I'm looking at it, and it's like the Giants didn't weren't dying to pay Daniel Jones. They did not pick up his fifth-year option. He then has this incredible season where they win all those games by one score or less. The coach is coach of the year, and yet they weren't rushing to pay him. It went to the very bitter end. He fired his agents with a week left in the negotiating process. Daniel Jones was represented by CAA his entire career. He fires CAA, hires athletes first. They take it to the absolute wire. And like in the final minutes before free agency starts, Daniel Jones signs this crazy, not crazy, crazy is relatively speaking, but a big, big contract to be the Giants quarterback. And now if you look at it all you know, in the rear view and it's eight months later, it's like, what was the alternatives? Like they did, could, could they have rolled the dice? Do they end up with Will Levis as their quarterback? Do they say, let's just go with Tyrod this year? There weren't many alternatives, but they did pay him that big money. And now they're on the hook, not only for this year, but definitely for next year. And I, those two teams are both one and three. The Giants lone victory over a Cardinals team that had a miracle comeback. The Jets lone victory was week one. And what was one of the most wild finishes in NFL uh, you know, season, if you look at it now, they somehow beat the Bills that look like they're a locomotive. And it's two one and three teams in the biggest media market. And Aaron, I feel so much better about the Jets right now than I do the New York Giants as a Buffalo Bills fan who also, quote unquote, claims is a New York team. You know, I'm talking about the city when I talk about New York team <laughs> from afar. When you look at the Jets and the Giants, what's your feel? So, I mean, going back to Zach Wilson, it, it did kind of feel like in the past, 12 months he's lost the job three times because yeah. he, he was the starter and then he lost it and then Rodgers came in he lost it again and then he Rodgers gets hurt and then as soon as that game's over everyone's just like who can the Jets get can they get Flacco can they it's like it's he just is losing it again and then to suddenly have this game yeah you're right like he, he's not going to be the news this week which is great for him uh, and as opposed to Jones who I, I don't know I mean like he didn't 
he didn't do himself any favors, but that line, I mean, he was, he Sacked would, 11 yes, times, he would, right? yeah, you, you can't blame that. But I, just but I push him. back on that and I know this is not fair and I sound like I got something personal against Daniel Jones. I don't, I was his biggest cheerleader last year when he was you know, proving the same doubters that right. proved Zach, you know, he was, he did it. He won. They went to the playoffs. They beat a Minnesota team on the road in a very hostile environment and he played great. Um, I am watching on Sunday on my little phone on the red zone <laughs> YouTube, which has been fantastic. If I can, the Steelers defense, which suffocated everybody the last few weeks and was absolutely dominant the previous week in, in a, in a Sunday night game against the Raiders. I'm watching CJ Stroud behind an offensive line that doesn't have Howard. That doesn't have Tunzel that is down four starters and CJ Stroud looks like Dan Marino throwing the ball to Nico Collins and Tank Dell. And I'm like, all right, I know he's a number two overall pick and you expect that someone be like, don't tell me about the offensive line. Like, figure this out. The Giants had 11 days to prepare for this game. They got blown out by the Niners on the road. Fine. You, you know, whatever. That's okay. No Saquon, no Andrew Thomas. 11 days to prepare for the Seattle Seahawks, who, by the way, Andy Dalton sliced up last week. I mean, Andy Dalton walked in there with Carolina, a winless team, and put up a ton of yards and looked fine against Seattle. Suddenly the Seattle defense is a steel curtain or the Legion of Boom. And with, you know, 11 days to prepare for that Seattle defense, the Giants could not do anything on offense. Um, I'm sorry if it sounds very New York focused and you're a listener of the season and you're like, guys, there's more teams. It's just two, one and three teams, two very different fields. Um, can I go through story time for a little bit on what my Sunday was like? Uh, yeah, let's go. All right. If you listen to this podcast, you know I travel uh, quite a bit for the NFL during the season. And it's the season with Peter Schrager, but it's sometimes the season of Peter Schrager. And that's because <laughs> this is my podcast and we can do what we want. Uh, I Heart and the NFL said, tell the stories that we don't know. Well, I'll give you a story. Uh, I had a really cool Sunday. And this is one of those pinch me moments where I'm like, I'm actually paid to do this. I am a very lucky guy. Uh, Sunday... I usually travel from uh, on a Saturday morning from New York to Los Angeles and do the Fox NFL kickoff show in studio. I got a special exemption this weekend because the Eagles, the defending NFC champions, were undefeated. They only have two home one o'clock games this entire season. Is that not nuts? Eagles fans only get to two one o'clock games out of all their home games. Six of them are either 4 o'clock, Thursday night, Sunday night, or Monday night. <clears throat> so with that in mind, I reached out to the Fox NFL folks and said, hey, this could be a cool opportunity. I'm never going to get a chance to do Eagles this year from Philly. I can take a train. I can drive down, whatever. Let me get the one opportunity to interview the head coach before the game where we can do it on the pregame show. Now, of course, the Eagles have to approve that. Nick Sirianni has to say, sure, I don't mind seconds before kickoff talking to you and doing three questions. Fortunately enough, the producers at Fox, the executives at Fox who are great, were like, that's perfect because we're doing Commander's Eagles talk. Why don't we use that as our liftoff point? You'll be there. You'll get a feel for it. You can do that game. So I go to Philly early Sunday and I'm there in the bowels and I got to experience game day in Philly, which was awesome. This was an amazing atmosphere. And Nick Sirianni was cool enough to do an interview. I talked about what they've got going on. I talked about Philly's fan base and how they've been rallying around this team. But I also talked about with him, the fact that the commanders beat the Eagles last year and it was Taylor Heineke, but it was the only regular season game that Jalen hurts lost. And Sirianni was awesome in the interview. And he was 
really honestly, he's like, we do not overlook anybody, but Washington is a divisional opponent and they have given us some really good fights the last few years. We will not be overlooking this. Sure enough, I do the interview. It's great. I get to roam the field. And here are some of the people I spoke to off camera for extended amounts of time. I got to talk to Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, and we had a very candid conversation about the selections of not only Jalen Carter, but Nolan Smith and Kyrie Ringo, who were from Georgia, what that connection was like and how he made a point about those picks. Very interesting talk. From Howie, I then had a good chat with their defensive line coach, Jeremiah Washburn, who has been there and, and was in Detroit before this. Jeremiah, I don't know if he would be comfortable with me saying it, so here we are. I'm going to say it anyway. I said, uh, what, what do you see in Jalen Carter? He's like, this dude is an absolute behemoth. This guy is the real deal. And he said, Fletcher Cox said it best. And I don't know if he said it publicly or if he said it just to Jeremiah or said anything. He goes, Fletcher Cox said it best. I'm like, what did Fletcher have to say? He says, Fletcher Cox says that Jalen Carter wakes up and he gets out of bed and he looks to whoop ass. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, ah! If you watch him in warmups, like I remember, and now obviously he's in the headlines for other reasons. I remember Chandler Jones during warmups when he was with the Patriots once, and I had to take a video and I posted it on Twitter. I'm like, this guy's just, 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 it's a different speed. And like, it's, whoo, whoo, whoo. and Aaron Donald, I get to watch him pregame. Whoo, whoo, whoo. And this is me as a sports writer slash podcaster trying to imitate the swim <laughs> move. If you're watching on video, I'm doing that. And if you're listening to the audio, the whoo, whoo, whoo is me like doing. Jalen Carter was destroying tackling dummies for the end. I'm like, oh, my God. so like I get that experience when you're on the game. I get that on, on the field. Then I went to the Washington side and I talked to Jason Wright, their president for a bit and just about the new blood there. And it was really cool. Um, I love being at games. I love being at pregame. And then a game breaks out and it's absolutely awesome. The Washington commanders were not scared of the Philadelphia Eagles. They had not a flicker of hesitation when they went in there. They scored on their opening drive. They scored on their second drive. Like they came right down the field. And they tested Philly. Philly comes out with the win. They're 4-0. They don't have to apologize for anything. But to get a feel for both teams was huge for me. But I wasn't done, Aaron. No, I wasn't done. I reached out to the Jets earlier in the week, and I said, I'm not in Los Angeles doing the pregame show. I'm actually in Philadelphia. That game should end around 3.30, 4 o'clock. If I get on my horse, I can make it to Jets Chiefs, which felt like more than just a football game. It felt like a pop culture moment because of obvious reasons of who was in the building. I was there to get a feel for the defending champions, the Chiefs, but also to see what the Jets had left in the tank. And if I happened to end up with Taylor Swift and Ryan Reynolds and Hugh, Hugh Jackman. Jackman and you name who, and if Blake Lively wants to celebrate with me, that's fine. I would have been okay. I wouldn't have, I didn't want to be the story, but if I happened to be the story, then so be it, right? Well, I didn't see any of those people, but I got on my horse. I get to the game pregame. Jets are cool enough to credential me. I have a press box seat. Like I'm excited. I'll be there. Pregame, I walk on the field and I'm just walking around. And you know, one of our guests and our friends and my Brooklyn homie, Paul Rudd is there with his entire family. And Paul's like, come over here. I'm like, eh, I, you know, I don't want to. All right. He's over there on the Chiefs sideline. I'm like, all right, go over there, say hi to him. And Brett Veach, the GM of the Chiefs is there. We're talking for 20 minutes. Paul, his son, Jack, me, Brett Veach. We're all talking about all like the different players on the Chiefs. Not Mahomes and Kelsey, but like what Trent McDuffie has done this year to make him one of an elite corners. 
what George Karlaftis has done and what kind of student Karlaftis is. Karlaftis is one of these guys that Veach was like, he's like the teacher's pet. He is in there every morning talking to our defensive line coach. He's got film. He's trying to do the work. The message in Kansas City is it can't just be Mahomes and Kelsey. These other guys have to step up. And if you watch that game, it was Pacheco. It was Noah Gray. It was Willie Gay. It was younger players stepping up because Mahomes did not seem to have the Mahomes game until the very end where he pulls it out. But as I'm walking, I get a text from someone on the Jets. Not a player, not a coach, someone else, an executive type person. And they reach out. I don't want to give their name because if you give their name, you're revealing your sources in this one. Hey, I see you over on the chief sideline. Come say hello real quick. So I make my way over to the Jets area and I'm on the sidelines, but I'm not trying to come too close to the team because it's before the game. And I, you know, I, I don't have all access in this situation. And as I'm doing that, I get a little, hey, see who's here? And I look to my right. And he's got a little smirk on his face. What's up, buddy? Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers on the crutches, on the sidelines. We talked briefly. Didn't get into the timetable, if you will. But I will say this. Good spirits. Moving on those crutches. I was told this would be four weeks or five weeks before he could be off that scooter. He's on crutches. There's no boot. He's moving. And I'm watching Rodgers during pregame. Yeah, I know. Everyone's out there. And Sauce is giving a pep talk and you've got Brees Hall doing the drills and I'm not doing the same thing I was doing with Jalen Carter while I'm watching the Jets. I'm just focused on their quarterback who will not see the field till at least January if he even does um, or December, whatever the timetable might be. And I'm watching Rodgers and he's not in everybody's face, but he is very active participant in the conversations on the sidelines with some of these guys. And I think the Aaron Rodgers effect can be real because I saw it firsthand how these players... He's not in their face. He's not the main of the spotlight, but like he spoke to the team on Saturday night. He was there on Sunday. He was in Woody Johnson's box. All good. Um, I think that there's no coincidence that Zach Wilson played the game of his life and that Rodgers at least has been a part of the game planning and it's been a part of the team uh, on Saturday. But here's where the, the night takes the Peter Schrager twist and I just end up wherever. Okay, so... Amongst the people I spoke to pregame, it's not just Paul Rudd and Brett Veach. Like I saw, um, I talked with Clark Hunt for a long time, and Clark Hunt is obviously a guest on the show during Super Bowl week, but he's the chairman and CEO, president of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Mark Donovan, who is their CEO in in maybe different titles with Clark and Mark, Mark is talked to him for a while, getting a feel for you know the Chiefs organization as a whole. Um, as I'm getting that grasp there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go up to the press box, but I do the Rogers thing. I talk to him for a bit. As I'm stepping out, I, I, you know, get a tap on the shoulder from someone else in the Jets organization says, why don't you come by for a second and just say hello, um, you know, to some of the people at the highest level, the ownership group, if you can, if during the game, if you want, just like come in, just say hi, whatever. So Christopher Johnson is, you know, with Woody Johnson, obviously owners of the Jets. I was in the press box. I'm a journalist. I'm wearing that hat. But I'm like, if I got the invite, do you say hi? Do you not say hi? So I just pop in before the game. And I walk in just to say hello. And I look around this room. And they were on the big, the big street. So I don't think... Here was the crew that was in this suite. Everyone's talking about Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively and Hugh Jackman. And, you know, I respect the Jets as a business. Because as NBC went to that box 17 times, I don't think the Jets 
showed Taylor Swift once on their in-house Jumbotron. And they're like, you know what? They're here to root for the Chiefs. We're not showing them. The, the box that they should have shown was the crew that I saw watching the game together. And I'll give a quick story that was hilarious. But I walk in, I say hi sheepishly, and I'm like, whatever. I'm an invisible ghost in that room. In that box, you want to talk about a murderer's row of like, of like guys that I would want to have beers with. First guy, Ray freaking Romano was in the room. <laughs> Ray Romano's in the room. So Ray Romano's in the room. And I'm like, you know, do you say something? So like, I don't think Ray knows, but as we film, I don't think Ray knows. No, I know Ray doesn't know this, but as we film this podcast right now and we record this, Aaron, uh, you and I are in this cool little like green room that SNY puts us in, which is where we film Good Morning Football downtown in Manhattan. Uh, this room for four years, I shared with Nate Burleson as a dressing room. Nate would get down to his skivvies in front of me, put on his really fancy clothes and look great. I would throw on my hooded sweatshirt and my, you know, New Balance sneakers and go and do the job. But Nate and I would be in here every morning from 530 to 650, I would say. And Nate became a best friend and a brother. Great. Everyone thinks we're breaking down all 22 film like we're Brian Baldinger. That's we did not watch football in the morning. We get football all day. Nate and I would watch Everybody Loves Raymond reruns on TBS. There's a TV in here. <laughs> Volume up. We probably watched eight seasons, know every episode, and it was not even a conversation. We'd watch the commercials, everything. Everybody Loves Raymond's on. So here's Ray Romano as I walk in, and he he's in there, and I'm like, do I say something or not? Another wrinkle. Last week, I'm on my JetBlue flight, um, or two weeks ago, to, to Fox. JetBlue is running a couple movies, there was a movie, and maybe you can Google it real quick, Aaron, because I wasn't even familiar with it. I didn't see any promotion for it. But I think it's called like Somewhere in Queens. Type in Ray Romano. Somewhere Queen. in Queens, yeah. This is a 90-minute movie that had me laughing and crying. It was fantastic. I think Ray Romano produced it. He might have His directorial it. debut, and uh, this, he worked on the screenplay. This movie was great. The story is Ray's a part of an Italian family in Queens, and everyone goes into one line of work. They're in construction. Sebastian Maniscalco plays his brother. Very quaint, small movie. And Laurie Metcalf is fantastic yeah. as the wife. And like you're talking about like Ray Romano and Laurie Metcalf and Sebastian. Of course, there's laughs in this thing. But the story is his son is a pretty good high school basketball player. Um, and he's a quiet kid. And I told him, I was like, I, you know, I, 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 so I do go up to him. But, you know, Daniel Jones is the character in this movie. Like, quiet, great athlete, doesn't say much. And a girl breaks his heart. And I'm not giving any spoilers away, but like the girl breaks his heart and breaks his will um, to want to go play college basketball. And Ray goes above maybe where he should go. His character does um, to talk to the girl, to convince her to maybe give the son a second chance. And, oh, it's a story. It, it is a beautiful movie. And I just seen it and I cried on the flight. Now I cry to every movie on the flight. I think I've cried to like, like movies like Taken with like uh, Liam Neeson. <laughs> I like cry at the end. And when you're on a plane, you just cry. Yeah. So Aaron, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm there and I see Ray Romano and I know it's his, like, he was a director and I know this movie did not make, you know, major waves. I know it's not Oscar nominated as of yet or whatever it is. And I know it wasn't like a critical darling. I haven't heard anything about it, but I saw it and it was great. So I went up to him and of course everyone goes up to him and talks about everybody loves Raymond or whatever. I just said, you know, I was on a JetBlue flight recently and I loved Somewhere in Queens and Ray, who probably was approached by a hundred people, you know, at this, his eyes lit up. He smiled and he was like, dude, thank you so much. He's like, I have gotten so many comments over the last week or two about this movie that I put my heart and soul in, but 
yes, because it's on the planes. People are watching it on the planes. He's, and so I'm like, is it streaming? I, it, it's streaming on Hulu and next week, he said. And it's coming out and he's like, gosh, it's crazy because that movie went out in the theater. We put everything into it. It was like my heart and the soul. And like, and now people are kind of seeing, it. I go, dude, if that movie came out 10 years ago, it would have gotten a major, you know, a theater. And it would have been, if it was in a traditional situation 10 years ago where people saw romantic comedies or people watch movies other than Star Wars and superhero movies, it would have been great. Ray was so appreciative. I had the greatest experience meeting Ray Romano. He was so nice. He was so great. And then it was like game time. He was locked in. Aaron, the other people in this box. Sitting off to the side, I, I had to take a double take. I was like, what? Kendall Roy himself, yeah. Jeremy Strong, was sitting in this box. And when I tell you, maybe he just didn't want to talk to anybody. Locked the f into the game, like wearing a Jets hat, every play, watching, analyzing, no bathroom breaks, no nothing. Like he was in. I had no idea Jeremy Strong loved football. He loves Jets football. What a great celebrity fan to have. Uh, the eldest son, if you will. Um, gosh, he was so locked in. So there you go. Those are two like Titans. Next one. What is your favorite? comedy show maybe of the last 15 20 years like what, what when you need like just a laugh what's yours aaron um uh, so that came out in the last 15 20 yeah, like what's your show probably the office okay great yeah that's perfect answer the office is one of mine too if it's on i'll watch it yeah if i need a laugh or if i'm just i will watch curb your enthusiasm and i will specifically watch leon episode yeah yeah J.B. Smoove was in this box, and I am telling you, Aaron, the J.B. Smoove you see on TV is 100% the J.B. Smoove I saw in this box. He sees me, and we he's been on the show before, and immediately is like, okay, okay, he's here. And here's... Here's, here's my favorite character in maybe TV history, Leon. And, and he starts doing the we are not worthy like Wayne's World thing to me. I'm like, stop, stop, stop. Comes over and immediately arm around me. We start talking and, you know, the Jets are his team. And he was talking about Bruce Hopkins. He was talking about Al Toon. Like we go into Jets deep and he is so great. And then all of a sudden he goes on this incredible rant, if you will, slash bit slash monologue where the I could never imitate him. Like if I was to imitate him, I'll, a I'd be canceled for trying to imitate him. B, um, I just it wouldn't do him justice. His bit is that sauce is on the field, but the gravy's in the building, and he's pointing to himself that he, JB Smoove, is the gravy. <laughs> A whole bit about sauce on the field, gravy in the building. And he's gravy. Um, we talked for a while. He wants to come on the podcast. Amazing. He wants to be a guest. Here's the part that gets a little tricky. He's with his longtime manager. I'll say his name. His name is Rick Dorfman. I don't know Rick. Rick is awesome. Rick comes over, introduces himself to me, says, JB would love to come on the podcast, would love to come on the show. He says, let's exchange numbers. Rick presents me with a QR code. Oh, no. No, no, not oh, no. This is very smart. This is a great way to do it. He doesn't have a business card. He says, scan this QR code. And I scan the QR code and it's all his contact information. I was like, that was the coolest thing ever. Phone number, 
email, everything. There was an app for it. The app, I believe, was called Blink, B-L-I-N-Q. He's like, you have to get Blink. It's going to be a game changer for you to not have to type in numbers. It's it. Just QR code. You scan it. It's great. That's what I do. JB and I have this incredible experience together. I'm talking laughing, hugging. I filmed a video with him. He wanted to film a video. Like We had a blast. Like, talking about, if you want the ultimate yin and yang. It's probably Larry David and J.B. Smooth. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we can't top that, but like he and I do not look like we would be, uh, you know, regular bedfellows. We got along great. It was incredible. Um, I get in the car after the game, which was fantastic. Obviously, I go back to the press box. I, I watch from there. Then I try to beat the traffic just a little bit, which I did so I could do good morning football. I had done two games. I get in the car. I have been up since 4 a.m. because I got up early to go to Philly yeah. and then I was ending the game. I got in the car around midnight. So that's a long day, but like two amazing football games. I was on cloud nine. It like reinvigorated me, like just being in two buildings. Like I love this sport. I love all of this. I get back in the car and I'm like, I'm immediately going to say great to meet you to this Rick Dorfman. I go into my phone. It's gone. I can't find anything. I didn't save whatever that QR code thing was. And there is no silver lining as we record this on Tuesday. And this is a call to action. If anyone has Rick Dorfman's number or email, send it along to me. I want to have JB Smoove on the podcast next week. He was incredible. My day was incredible. I woke up the next morning. I'm like, I feel like I completely ready to go and roaring to go. And I, I'm excited by, by a lot of stuff around the NFL. CJ Stroud looks amazing. Anthony Richardson in a loss looks amazing. McVay's team is fighting despite players that you know named Aaron Donald, Puka Nakua, Matthew Stafford, and maybe that's it on the roster. There's so much good around the league right now. Maybe there's no better story than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which leads to our guest for the week, Buccaneers GM, Jason Light. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm -hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet.
And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had the third most wins since 2020. They have had the fourth most regular season wins since 2020. And if you look at their roster, they are number three on highest percentage of homegrown talent, which means they have drafted or signed undrafted guys themselves who are now playing. The general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is the architect of this team, and he is joining us on the season with Peter Schrager, Mr. Jason Light, GM of the Bucks. How we doing? Doing great, man. Appreciate you uh, having me on. I figured the only time I can get you is during the bye week, and uh, it, would, uh, it certainly helps when the team is three and one yeah. as opposed to a, a different record. But you and I have known each other for many years, and I have to say the Tom Brady stuff was great, and of course last year getting there was great. To see this team at the top of the NFC South standings as we head towards the bye, I don't think a lot of people saw that, me included. Uh, how proud are you of this team first month of football? Well, well, first of all, we've got a long season ahead of us. So I know. We're not putting the cart before the horse here. But, uh, you know, I, I'm very proud of the coaching staff, the football staff, everybody here in the building, but then the players too. But I will say that I, I went on record several times in training camp, people – kind of were writing us off. And I said, I just like the DNA of this team. I just like the way that it was all coming together and the players um, wanted to prove to the world that, you know, that they're, we still have good players. We're still a good team. And, and so I'm not surprised that, uh, you know, that we started off the way we did. Yeah. We have great coaches too. Yeah. And I think it's sneaky with what the Bucks roster is. And I think a lot of people, if you looked at it from 30,000 feet said, okay, Tom Brady was dropped in. They won. They win the next year. All right, Tom Brady's moved out of the thing, and it's like, all right, they're going to fall apart. But I'm looking at some numbers that my research team has helped put together. Most total snaps by a team's own first through fifth round pick since 2014, and it's the Bucks by a mile, and it's most total games started by a team's own first through fifth round pick since 2014, and it's the Bucks by a mile. You go through these guys, whether it be Mike Evans or Godwin or Vita Vea or Devin White or Jamel Dean, like all over the guys over the years. This is homegrown talent. There's something to that. When you look at this team, do you see this as like, there's a sense of pride that, hey, we drafted these guys. And for the most part, a lot of them are performing at a high level in key spots. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what we in personnel, I mean, we want to, we all aspire to as a GM, as a scout, as a, personnel director or what have you, you want to, you want to grow your own. You want to, um, you want to bring them in. You want to develop them. You want them to understand the way that we do things as an organization. Um, you, you want to give them, you want to reward them with contracts, um, and keep your own. And, um, you know, that's what we're doing. And, you know, we've got, we've got a great, first of all, I've, I, the only thing I will pat myself on the back for is 
I've hired extremely well. That's the only thing mm-hmm. I'm going to say uh, that about me, that our staff has done an outstanding job, whether it's the scouts, the personnel directors, Spytech, Greenberg, Jackie. I mean, the whole, I could name everybody. I'm going to leave somebody out. But um, the coaching staff. Too. Don't forget my boy Byron down there. Oh, Byron. One of the best scouts in the game. There's no doubt. Give Byron some love. Byron. He's been here for a long time, and uh, he is uh, incredible, incredible. So I could go on and on. So, um, but anyway, and our coaching staff, just having the patience with these players. So it's it's been awesome bringing everybody being on the same page. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's cool. And you even look at this team now, and Baker's the new story. And... Baker, people doubted. And Baker spent time in Carolina and then was, of course, with the Rams after. And Baker looks great and competent. And you guys go into New Orleans and win. The signing of Baker Mayfield is one story. Um, The other story is how well he has taken to this team and they've taken to him. Can you go through the Baker Mayfield experience for you guys when you were looking after Brady hung him up? Like, what's the next step? Yeah, well, you know, Baker, now, as it turns out, Baker, he's a very, very smart person. Um, I knew he was smart. You know, we did our due diligence on him coming out. We weren't looking for a quarterback that year, but um, um, knew that he was smart. I didn't realize just how incredibly smart he is. And he was targeting us. I mean, maybe more than we were targeting him. And he saw a little flirtation, if you will. He saw this as an awesome opportunity for him. Um, you know, and we told him from the beginning that this is going to be a you're going to be in a competition here because we we really like Kyle Trask. And he didn't, you know, as you know, Baker, he didn't flinch. He accepted that and, um, you know, he just ran with it. And it was a good competition. But we, we saw a lot out of Kyle um, that we loved to see, too. He was doing a, did a hell of a job for us. Um, but he is such a, the, you know, even as I go around town, people go, what's Baker like? Is he a good guy? Yeah. It's like, I don't know where this started that he wasn't a good guy. And. I mean, I think you can point to a few things that maybe people got the wrong impression of him, but he's a freaking awesome dude. He is a <laughs> dude. And the players saw it right away. I mean, he's whether he's taken the lineman to the Bahamas, uh, you know, during uh, on our break during camp before the first, uh, you know, after final cuts uh, to go golf um, or he's. He spotted around town at dive bars with a different group of position group with receivers, with Mike Evans, you know, um, with a Godwin, with these guys, he he really knows. He's not doing it's not fake. He really knows how to how to be a dude with the team, and and they love him. And and he and he lays it out there. You see him throwing blocks. You see the hit he took uh, against the Saints on Sunday. And it's like he's going to leave it all out on the field. What's your favorite Baker story between you and him interacting? Because I know coaches who've had him. They're like, you know, McVeigh had him last year for a small window, and he's like, yeah. Baker's hilarious too. He's funny as hell. Like, have you had a moment where he's had a snide comment or a sarcastic comment where you're like, this is one of us. This guy's a funny uh, dude. Yeah. A few, I, I probably shouldn't tell them on this. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what, you know, what's really interesting is, so I was born in this very small town in Nebraska, Fremont, Nebraska. It's you know, about 20, okay. 20,000 people. It's kind of halfway between Omaha and, and um, Lincoln. And when I was young, we moved to Colorado. So I grew up in Colorado, but that's where my, Parents both were from that area, and that's where uh, my grandparents, you know, that's where they settled and all that stuff. So anyway, the, the, when we finally agreed to terms with Baker, um, I texted him, hey, congrats, uh, we're celebrating here, we're have, excited to have you. He said, yeah, you know, my wife is from your hometown. 
Get out of here. She's from Fremont, She's from Nebraska. Fremont, Nebraska. So I texted my mom and my sister. They're like, oh, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, the May family. Oh, my God. They founded Fremont. You know, the library's named after them. Uh, you know, there's a, you know, there's names on buildings. I mean, uh, but she's kind of a big deal in Fremont, Nebraska. But, yeah, yeah. but anyway, she turns out she's a wonderful person. She has yeah. a suite right next to my wife's at the stadium. And uh, which could be an issue, I guess, with if my, <laughs> if my, when my father-in-law sits in there, you know, when things aren't going well, he tends to, you know, but anyway, uh, we already warned her about that, but. Um, yeah, you hear a banging on the wall that don't, don't know. That's not, that, that's not a, that, everything's okay. That's just my father-in-law. Yep. But it just kind of tells you the researching, the detail he went into to know that I was born in his wife's hometown. So uh, that's pretty cool. That's, that's wild. Uh Love this team right now and love the juice that you guys have. As you look at the roster up and down and you got all these guys that you guys drafted, um, Todd Bowles is the head coach. And a lot of people after last year said, oh, I don't know if he could be the coach after a post-Brady world. And yet this team's responding to Todd. He's never going to have the sound bite that goes viral. What do you see from Todd Bowles on a day-to-day basis that you guys know he's the man for this squad? He's He's got incredible patience. Um, very focused, but he's a, he's a great teacher. So it'll be once or twice a week you go down, you know, I'll pop into his office, um, you know, several times a day just to talk about little things with sometimes just the bullshit, but, um, he'll have, it's not uncommon for him to have the entire secondary sitting in his office, sprawled out in couches and having food delivered up there and him just having a session with them, just going over tape and just talking through things. So I'm picturing this. You got, you got Winfield, you got, you got all these guys and they come in and they're just hanging with the coach. It's not an instructional period where it's, you're in a lecture situation. Well, it's it turns into that. Casual. It turns yeah, into, but it's casual. But it's become like a weekly routine where he just wants to get them all on the same page. And it's, uh, and this is the head coach talking to a position group. I love this. It's in his office, not in a meeting room. So it's, I mean, he just, that's just been common of him since, for him since he's been our uh, been here as the defensive coordinators as well the, for all positions you can see offensive players pop in and just he's just a very uh, he's got a very soothing way about him that um, that makes you feel and then very fiery behind the scenes as well yeah um, I love that Rondé went into the Hall of Fame this year and I love that this organization was so much a part of it it wasn't just oh here's a former player like I know from knowing Rondé and I know you very well like. He is a frequent visitor to the building. How much has Rondé Barber played a role in not only this team's young players and success, but also for you and the guys in the organization to see a former Buccaneer so active and vibrant in the team's day-to-day? Yeah, first of all, Rondé quickly became one of my closer friends when I got the job here. It's going on year 10. Um, I just love Rondé. Our families are close. Um, And geez, you know, you talk about the summer of George. This is the year of Rondé. I mean, <laughs> go he's, on. He's feels like I've been to about a million parties for Rondé's <laughs> Hall of Fame uh, already. Um, but uh, and and that's and, and well deserved, well deserved. But I was actually just texting with him a few minutes ago uh, before I came on here. About he was talking about the what he was excited about the play of some of our players in the secondary. So he's you know he's always welcome here. He's such a uh, like he never missed a game. He never missed a practice. It's insane. I've never missed a practice. I mean, it's it's crazy. You never see that. It, it, he should be a inspiration to a, a lot of our players. 
Yeah. And I'm sure they, they come in, they see him and he's present and it, it does go a long way. Uh, I go back the last like 10 years with you. Obviously we talk about the Jameis era and then there was these, you know, seasons where there was like hope and then it, it just fell short. And then Brady comes and you guys have this incredible ride. Have you had a chance to do the 30,000 foot view yet and be able to look back with proper perspective on what the Brady era was like in Tampa, or is it still too new or it's, you're still in the whirlwind of, okay, on to the next, or do you have a moment to like appreciate just how insane those, I guess, what, 24 months, maybe even a longer <laughs> it was with Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, he was nuts. Uh, really? No, I haven't yet. I mean, there's been little moments, but, um, you know, it was, it was awesome for the entire fan base for the city. Uh, you know, we signed him. I kind of joked around with uh, a few of the uh, people here one time that, you know, real estate went up uh, in Tampa and the Brady effect. And I was wondering why we didn't get a cut from that. You know I mean? <laughs> right. Like, come on, we got I mean, him here. Yeah. So I mean, Ronnie got Ronnie Barber, Dave, the mayor here in Tampa. And well, like, can't we get some kind of day for No, I'm kidding. It's, it was, it was phenomenal, but I, I will say this. It a big turning point, obviously, in the last few decades of the Buccaneers is Brady. I, but I would say, a, it's going to sound a little crazy, no offense to Brady. I mean, I don't want to minimize the yeah. effect that he had. But I think a, the total turning point, at least in my tenure here, was the day that uh, I hired Bruce. So, Bruce Arians. Yeah. Interesting. You know, that's a, that's a kind of a take right now. And it's obviously not dismissing what Brady did, but like Bruce changed the culture also. He came in along with Todd and, you know, most of the staff, a lot of the stuff that we still have here on coaching staff, um, changed the culture. Um, and it was, uh, you know, I, you know, although, although I did know Tom from my time in New England, I was there when we drafted him. Um, wish I could say I was the one that told Belichick to draft him, but I, I didn't. Um, but knew him from seven years that I spent with the Patriots organization. But I don't, still don't know if we would have gotten him without Bruce. So I think Bruce. What was the pitch? I mean, I know you've probably told this story to others, but I don't recall it ever being on it. Like, what was the pitch from you and Bruce to Tom Brady, who at the time we knew was leaving New England? But I remember like an ESPN graphic of like 14 available suitors for Tom. And I don't think the Buccaneers were number one on that list. You know, it was, Bruce has such a, a way <laughs> about him. Um, He's, you know, he's just a, Bruce is just such a phenomenal leader. And um, we had a great team. We had a great, you know, base foundation. And it was basically, hey, f*** it. <laughs> why, don't <you> come, <laughs> why don't you come down here? What better place would it be to, to f***ing win some games and win the Super Bowl than Tampa? You know, <laughs> I don't know if that did it, but, you know, probably would have sold me. And it's, and Bruce is, you know, he's known as the quarterback whisperer. Even long before he was in Tampa, he had a book I think called quarterback whisper. And if you want to go through the Bruce Arians lineage, it's from Peyton Manning to Carson Palmer. Uh, you know, you name a famous quarterback. They've had some experience Roethlisberger with Bruce Arians. What was, what was his pitch to Brady more? Hey, I'm going to give you more ownership of this thing where you're going to have a chance to fly, or I'm going to take you even higher and bring you back to where you were when you were winning those Super Bowls with, with the Patriots. Well, no, I think he was always willing to give him some, um, some leeway to, do some things the way he wanted to do them, but now, but within, within Bruce's, you know, realm of things that he likes to do things. I think it was the perfect match, uh, matchup, to be honest with you, where Tom was like very, um, analytical in terms of, you know, these are the passes that have the best chance of having success. And, you know, we're going to keep it dialed in on these things. And Bruce is more, Hey, f 
Okay, let's go for it. Let's, let's go. Let's, We've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Throw the ball. No yeah. risk it, no biscuit. The you know the play right before half in the NFC Championship game. You know, yes, Scotty Miller. Let's go. You know, with <laughs> without those kind of things, we wouldn't have made it to Super Bowl. But without Tom as well, I think that was the perfect marriage. It was. It it worked out well. The you go through that run, and I'm sorry, I'm lingering on 2020. It's just such a such an amazing year, and we'll move on after this. But there was the wild card. Um, win which was you know big fine and then we go through the next few when you go into new orleans and then into lambeau and then beat mahomes when you look at those three games you probably look at them as as one amazing experience but which one was the most rewarding because to go in new orleans and beat sean payton and drew Brees had to feel pretty good after they beat the crap out of you in the regular season oh, yeah. and then to go into lambeau with aaron Rodgers and all the hype that he was getting as an mvp and then there's the super bowl which is like we freaking won the super bowl and we beat patrick mahomes which one to you do you smile the most or maybe like at night when you're lying in bed, you're like, you know what? That was pretty damn good. Well, I, first of all, I do want to let you know, we're not living in the past here. I, we're, I know. We've got, I know. but if, if you were to ask me, you, you did ask me, um, <laughs> I say just because, and, and I mean this with all due respect to the saints. I hate them. Yeah. You know, they're just, <laughs> they're just, they're just always just such a tough team and so good. It's and especially going there, it's such a tough place to win. And they beat us twice that year and we went in and beat them. And, and I just kind of got the sense that, you know, that they, I don't think they were guaranteeing everybody that they were going to win, but they just had a kind of a cockiness to them. And then when they should, they were a great team. So when we beat them and I remember walking off the field and I, pulled out my phone and I just tweeted, we dad. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But then I, you know, all of a sudden uh, I started getting all the alerts and I was like, you know, this might come back to bite me, but uh, it you was, didn't delete the tweet. Right? No, you didn't delete I didn't delete it. I, yeah. Sometimes you gotta be that way. Uh, all right. Let's, let's talk about this team and the way you guys have built this. Obviously I mentioned all the homegrown guys, but one of the little things that you might not notice as a viewer watching it, you guys have two young draft picks in the last couple of years playing at tackle, which is the hardest position to find. And as Baker is, is doing this from an efficiency standpoint, you notice he's not under duress at all moments. It seems like this offensive line, even with the loss of Jensen and the loss of Ali Marpet, they're anchored by those two tackles and you guys drafted both of them. Is that a sense of pride for a guy like you who builds the roster from the ground up? Yeah, it really is a sense of pride for all of us that were involved in, in the, uh, you know, the selection of those guys of, Tristan and Luke and, you know, our, uh, we're very happy with our offensive line right now. And Cody Mack and uh, Hainsey's doing a good job for us. And then uh, Filer, Matt, who signed this year. So, but the anchor, Matt Filer, let's go but for, you know, Ryan, unfortunately had the injury. He's not playing, but he still is here every day. He's in all the meetings. And if that, if that old line room is good and, cohesive and and ha and loose and having a good time then the whole organization seems to be running well so mm. it's awesome to have ryan in there because he's rubbing off on he understands what it that it you have to have a tone setter and you know he and i had this conversation uh, a couple weeks ago at practice like you don't want the tone setter to be the quarterback you know when i'm turn talking about in terms of setting the tone bashing people on the field because you don't want them to get hurt yeah. Although Baker has been doing that. So, um, but you want it to be a running back. You want it to be a receiver, a tight end, or an offensive lineman. And we're starting to see that 
you saw Luke Gadecki this weekend, you know. Oh, my God. You know, pinning a player, laying on him, and just that intensity. And Cody Mauk has that in him. And uh, it's it's it makes it, it – everybody thrives off of that. So we still – Ryan Jensen is still infusing his – his yes, his prickness into the offensive line. Prickness, I like that. Um, and you feel his presence at the way they're playing. And then if you look at the defensive line, and this is very inside Buccaneers. I know if you're listening and you're like, okay, I mean, that defensive line is playing as well as anybody else. Yeah, they're they've but we we we've have we have a great group there too, and a great rotation, and got some new players this year. Great gains being one of them, and he's done a great job. And uh, so we've got. We're pretty deep there, especially at outside linebacker, and we've got a nice little rotation going there. And Vita is playing well, and um, so we'll get our first round pick coming back here soon. So that'll be exciting. You know the the NFL Network has our show Good Morning Football in the morning, and Jason McCourty does a list every week of the best defensive backs in football. And I think now twice: a in Week One when you guys went into Minnesota and he made the big play, and then second was this week in New Orleans making the huge fumble, uh, you know, cost fumble in this one. Antoine Winfield's playing out of his mind. You drafted him in the second round, and he has often said he believed he was a first-round pick, and he slipped. What did you see from him coming out of college, and what do you see from him now playing in this pivotal year for him? Well, we saw a really intense, uh, athletic, uh, smart player in college. He played nickel. He could play safety do a lot of different things. And then you saw a lot of his dad in him, you know, he's a very intense player, great tackle. I think he's one of the better tacklers, uh, maybe in the, you know, I don't want to throw out the history of the NFL at, yeah, at yeah, but from that position, from that position, um, just, just so reliable, just super, super, super reliable. Um, great guy too. So, um, uh, very fortunate we have him. Okay. So we've done the football. Now we have to go off the field a little bit. Uh, everyone's talking about Taylor Swift. I know you are a father of three, correct? Yep. Um, did the Taylor Swift sensation hit your home before there was a crossover with Travis Kelsey, or were you already affected by Taylor Swift this summer when she took over America for every person ages 10 to 20? Uh, <laughs> and maybe now beyond that. I think it's stretched way beyond that. Have you been a Swifty? Were you a Swifty? Did you know of Swift before she took the league by storm? So she played here in Tampa. And okay. <laughs> I I have a, uh, you know, my wife has a suite to the games now, I guess. Um, and so with that suite, you get to use it for anything that's at Raymond James. And she, is it year round? I don't, I don't know this stuff. This is so, stuff that we do so on the season. So we you do, get just, it's yours. Owner, okay. Owners are very, very, uh, very good to us. So, okay. and um, so she had three nights and I didn't get, <laughs> I didn't get to go to one and <laughs> it was packed 20 people in it every night. I joke around. I could have made millions of dollars selling yeah. that suite, but I would have gotten fired for doing that. But it, sure. But um, so we had people from all over the country coming. Uh, you know, friends, uh, family, uh, or like just people knew that the lights have a suite. Friends, in there. family, all Blair's friends, and you know, our my friends, my family, um, and and my my daughter and and Blair went all three nights, I think. And um, anyway, so yes, it's Taylor Swift has been talked about in our family. Uh, for quite a while. So, but okay. recently, when before before the you know it came out that Kelsey, there was the rumors. We for, don't know what they are. Whatever it is. Well, there yes. was rumors for a little while before she showed up at the at the first game there um, last week. Um, I asked my daughter. I said, "Hey, did you hear that 
you know, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey might be a thing. And she said, Dad, stay out of her private life. <laughs> Would you want someone talking about your private life? And I was like, okay. okay. How old is your daughter? What's her name and how old is she? Zoe. She's 12. Okay. She's 12. <laughs> Just defending Taylor Swift to the end of the day. So I said, well, I think you and your friends would talk about it because that's different. That's different. That's different. Dad? <laughs> that is so good. 12 years old. Number one story everywhere. NBC shot to it 17 times. That's not an exaggeration. But Zoe is defending the private life of Taylor Swift. And Dad, why don't you back off? Uh, so, hey, I know better now. I, we're not talking about her private good. life. I love that. Uh, so good. Um, your career, we've done the story time with you on Good Morning Football. But for the listeners of this podcast, you said you mentioned seven years with the Patriots. Who were some of the colleagues you had if you were to look around the league now and say, well, this guy's there, this guy's there. Obviously, Belichick is at the top of that that family tree, but when you look around and it doesn't have to be current guys, could be former guys too. Who are some of the people that you were uh, rubbing elbows with and you know, grunting it out as a, as a scout at the lowest level then moving your way up at that Patriots franchise? Oh, there's, there's a lot. Um, you know, at the Patriots, we had uh, the scouting assistant was, could have been anything it, uh, th- that, that, Track could, what did the job entail? Could, uh, just getting coffee and you know, making copies, you know, the whole thing. And I wasn't a scouting assistant there. I started off um, with the Dolphins as a scouting assistant. By the time I got to the Patriots, okay. I was an area scout. But we would still work together closely with the scouting assistants. You had Josh McDaniels, who went on to become, you know, obviously he's the head coach of the Raiders right now. Nick Casario, who's now, you know, GM of the Texans. Uh, um, we had Matt Russell there. Um I mean, I could go on and on. There's a Mike Disner was a scouting assistant. Now the CEO now running the Lions, running the yeah, Lions. Yeah. So, um, and then I was fortunate to work for the Eagles, where we had you know worked alongside Howie Roseman and Ryan Grigson, and I mean we had uh, there's quite a few uh, very talented young people at that time. And and the Belichick uh, relationship obviously was was strong, and you went on did your thing in Arizona, then eventually got to the Buccaneers as the GM. Uh, Belichick, as, as you look at the history of the game, obviously is viewed as one of the greatest head coaches of all time. In recent weeks, people are kind of knock some of the player personnel. But when you were on the player personnel side, Belichick was pretty much a savant with that stuff too, right? Oh, yeah. I've learned so much from him. He's, he's incredible. It's, I wish people, I mean, they have an idea that he's pretty damn good. I mean, he's best of all time. But if they were inside the walls there on a for as long as a lot of us have worked with them, it would it would blow their mind. Um, just the detail that he has, just with everything that he does. Was there a particular story or memory you have if you're at a family event or you're at a dinner and someone says, "Give me a good Belichick story"? What's the one you go to? You know, I was just actually talking about this with uh, with my wife. Um, so one time, you 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 have a lot of conversations with Bill when you work with him, but. There's those one personal ones that you remember, like, and he had me in his office. It was at the time I was interviewing with the um, Bears to be the general manager. This is 2011. Oh, cool. So I was going in to be a, for an interview and he was talking to me, kind of prepping me a little bit. And he said, you know, when you get a general manager's job at some point, which you will, um, you're going to think you have it made. You think you're making a lot of money um, and you're, you're set. He could, but then all of a sudden... You're going to get a call from your wife that she needs new window treatments and you don't realize how much window treatments cost. 
Okay. And then, so the money isn't, it, it's not as big as it, you, you expect it to be because everything, they, everything else goes up too. Yeah. And then we get the job here in Tampa and we get our house. And then I get a text from my wife. Hey, you're going to see something go through um, uh, the American <laughs> Express. I got window treatments. <laughs> Word for word, the word. example he used and is exactly Exactly right. what happened, yeah. That is so good. I love that. Uh, what about the same for Brady? Someone says, give me your best Brady story. Is it you guys at the parade, him throwing a Lombardi, or is there a story that we might not know? Well, so the whole time, the, the day that we signed him, I called him and said, because we were in that COVID, so we couldn't have him here. But I said, hey, there's one thing I need you to, that you don't know about me is I'm a better beer chugger than you are. So yeah. I, I'm totally, ever since I was a young age. You could chug a beer. I could chug, chug a beer. beer. I could what chug I a beer. Yeah. Never met somebody that could chug one faster. And he goes, no. <laughs> he said, no, I, I got you. I go, I swear to God, I'm better than you. He said, all right, if we win the Super Bowl, let's have a chug off. So we were going to have this whole thing. It was going to be sponsored by a beer, certain sponsor <laughs> and all that stuff. And he backed out. He backed out. And I said, what? He goes, well, I was afraid to lose it. <laughs> yes, he doesn't want to lose. Yeah, he didn't want He's to Tom lose. Brady. He didn't want to lose. He's Tom Brady, so we'll give you the win there with the technicality that it never happened. Okay, that's fine. Um, I, I text with you a lot, and it's never really about the football stuff so much. It's more just about family and how everything's going. And I've known you for a long time. I also know you are very, very particular on game day. Um, players, of course, lay out their clothes, what they're going to wear. They do a prayer. They do their own pregame rotation. A general manager on game day, you have your superstitions. Can you share with the listeners and the viewers at home the Jason Light game day experience? Now, they're stupid. They're stupid. First of all, I know superstitions are stupid. It's, uh, (laughs) but, you know, I have a certain pair of shoes that kind of have to wear that that you're like, these pair had something to do with that last win. You know, it's stupid. (laughs) It's dumb. What pair are they? Tell me. Is this from like 2007? No, no, no. Are you rocking Duck Martens? What are we wearing? It's got to be a new pair every year. You know, you kind of retire the the other ones, you know. And then, so when we're, when I pull, so when I come to the game, they have a spot for the head coach, the general manager, and all the owners under the stadium. And I can't have a dirty car under the stadium because people are walking by it. So I have to go to the certain car wash on the way. <laughs> and then I have to stop at the Wawa and you know what a Wawa. There's a Wawa in Tampa, there's Florida? several Wawas now. Really? I thought that was just a Philly thing. No, there's there's one here. I have to get a certain, I have to get a diet uh, half and half iced tea, lemonade, and <laughs> have to have this eggs, uh, this uh, sizzly sandwich. I mean, and then it's like goes on and on. So it's, I have a lot of, it's, go on. I want more. Okay. So you go from the shoes to the car. To right. the, then when you, when you get to the stadium, what's the routine? Like I, do you do one lap? Do you listen to a certain song? Like where are we at? I do. I, I go through lap through the locker room. Then I go sit in my wife's suite for a little bit and watch the pregame show. And then I go back down to the field and do the whole thing. But the biggest one I've left out, I've omitted here is the week of the game. I have to at least one night on the way home, stop at this dive bar it's called the press box, and I have to play <laughs> one round of Golden Tee Golf Just, with, let's go. with, with a few of my buddies that are always in there, and I have to play one round of Golden Tee Golf. Otherwise, the whole week goes to shit. So that's Do, that's do you have the high score? Are you no, that guy? No, no. I can, no? I'm okay. constantly trying. I won one week. That was it. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, that's I'm not, it. Yeah. So. so it's called the press box, 
And if you're a Buccaneers fan looking to kind of bend the ear of the general manager, your best bet is to just go to the press box Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You're one in five chance you're going to see Jason Light. It's not long either. So it won't be long. It's just one round of Goldie <laughs> Tea. Yeah. Yeah. One round Goldie. Are the wings good at the press oh, box? Oh, they're phenomenal. 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 What a commercial. Phenomenal. I love yeah, this. Yeah. Um, this is good. I won't get anything uh, free clo- there, though, by the way. I've mentioned no, this no, before. I, and no, Walter, the owner, has never given me a free beer. <laughs> I assume you're keeping the press box open with that frequency. <laughs> um, before we close, uh, it's so early. It's like it's early bye week. I kind of started off the podcast with it, but like it is one of the stories of the league that here the Bucks are, this team that some people peg to be in a total rebuild. And yet, top of the division, feeling good, relatively healthy. What's the state of the nation here as we head towards the bye and you get one of these brief weekends off, and then you hit the road and you guys have to get back in business. You're wearing the creamsicles, obviously, when you first play the Lions when you get back, which is so cool. But then it's a long stretch and it's a long season. But can you take a moment to just enjoy this thing? I mean, I'd be lying if I said no. Yeah, of course. And, I mean, there's nothing better than going into a bye um, after you won. So, yeah, I've got to be honest with you. You usually have the 24-hour rule, but if you're going to the bye week, you can have a few extra days. So it's, But it's one game at a time after this. I mean, we haven't won anything yet, so... It's uh, but feeling good about where we're at, feel like we're going to be pretty healthy coming out. Can I tell you something? When I was a kid, my dad and I used to do this cool tradition where like every football season, I was allowed to buy a new Jersey. And this is back in the eighties and the nineties where it wasn't like you just go on fanatics.com and pick any player and you can put it out. It would be a thing you'd have to go in our mall. It was a place called going to the game. And it was like a, you know, like a champs or one of these stores. It was the Freehold Raceway Mall in Freehold, New Jersey. And it was the 97 season, I want to say, maybe 96 season. It was the year where Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks were both drafted. So I might be even, it might be even longer for that. And in going to the game, they had a creamsicle. You're going to love this player. Creamsicle Hardy Nickerson jersey. Oh, yeah. And I bought that jersey as my jersey that year. And I would wear that to school every Monday, even though the Buccaneers were not great that season. And this is before they went to the pewter and you had this like slick, cool jersey. And the creamsicle was the jersey, and I would get mocked for it because the Bucs weren't great, but I love that creamsicle. You guys wore them when Josh Freeman was the quarterback for a cup of coffee there. I remember they had the, they would do the throwbacks. It's coming back. Does the creamsicle jersey mean anything to you as it predated your time? And do you realize like what nostalgia comes along with that creamsicle jersey and that logo of the pirate with the with the eye patch and the whole deal? Um creamsicles am i making too big of a deal here going down memory lane no not at all are you kidding me this is uh we've been looking forward to this forever uh i mean we've got creamsicle stuff coming out of our ears at our house right now and it's uh is that right oh yeah everybody what's the what's the play because like doug williams was wearing the creamsicles in 79 and leroy selman but like who's the player when you think of the creamsicle bucks who's the player that you think oh, leroy selman yeah so oh, i mean yeah, I mean, here we go. It's yeah, no, it's it's, it's super exciting. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Okay, too much for me. I think I, I want to go down like Eric Rett and start talking about all these guys and Trent Dilfer. But you're not looking to. We're living in the current, we're Peter, li- not in the past. <laughs> all right, let's go. That's it. I might want a Vita Vea throwback. I got. I might need a Vita Vea creamsicle and rocket on Good Morning Football. Who can I talk to at the Bucks to get one of those made? Do you have any hookups or no? Is Walter at the bar able to hook me up? I don't. Yeah. We'll see what we can do here. 
Yeah. See what we Walter can do. at the press box and I are going to be the only two Vita Vea creamsicle jersey wearers. Uh, Jason Light, I have taken way too much of your time during the season, a general manager. Uh, what you guys have built as a collective in that front office is nothing short of incredible. The Buccaneers are one of the most consistent teams in the NFL, and you guys just churn out draft picks that are playing on Sundays with very few busts and very few failures. I appreciate your time. Dude, good luck the rest of the way. I appreciate it. Have fun. As always. No, we will. Thanks, yeah. dude. Uh, that's Jason Light, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're bye week, and then they come back. They're wearing creep schools playing the Lions. Thanks, Jason. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I love Jason Light. I, I mean, this that that's a great interview. That's what we want to do with this podcast. We want to get an opportunity to speak to the guys who make the decisions. And when you could tell stories about Belichick, Brady, right up to Baker Mayfield. But also, 10 years as the GM, is I mean, a lot of these guys have two years, three years to do it. They probably get two quarterbacks. This is a guy who you know went from Jameis to, to Brady to now Baker Mayfield, and they're winning. So, Aaron, I, I love that stuff. Yeah, I also don't feel like I get a ton of... Uh, you don't often hear a GM just flat out say, God, I hate the Saints. And so that was the most important win to me was beating the Saints. How I, candid. I love that was that. great. Love there that. was something to that interview where I felt like, you know, bye week is a little different than if you start off. I mean, we got him at the perfect time. Yeah, yeah. Three and one bye week is like, if you're in a circle, like an in-season GM guest, that's it. I doubt we'll get many others because... These guys are so tight-lipped and such on eggshells for week to week, but I knew this was the sweet spot, so we got Jason Light. Uh, I started the podcast talking about my amazing Sunday, but I have to close the loop on something we mentioned last week. I was invited as a special guest to a Broadway show last Thursday night, and Aaron, as my fellow fan of The Great White Way, my, fe my fellow thespian uh, supporter, I went brought my lovely wife, Erica, and we went to the Melissa Etheridge one-woman show titled My Window. It premiered Thursday night. It is uh, in the middle of Times Square, and my review is thus. It was awesome. I loved it. Basically, Melissa, whose life I don't really know all the details to, she's a fan of the Chiefs, 
She's been on Good Morning Football about a dozen times. She sends me a direct message, says, I have a Broadway show coming out. I knew she was off Broadway for a little bit, telling my life story. Um, do you and your wife want to come? I said, yes. And I will be honest, Thursday Night Football, well, 99% of the country was watching the first half of a Lions-Packers <laughs> the <first> game. Half. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was busy singing, I'm the only one. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. So Etheridge comes out, and this is my recommendation to anybody coming through New York City or they have it. Uh, it's a rock concert, but it's also like her personal story. It tells a story. She's a small town girl from a small town in Kansas. And her only dream ever was to play guitar and be in a rock band. And back then when she was born in the sixties, that was not common for a female to do that. By the age of 12, Melissa was playing in dive bars and parts of bands with 30 and 40 year olds. She was this phenom on the guitar. Um, she comes out of the closet and her mother says she can't agree with that decision and that severs or really hampers her relationship with her mother. But her father, who has a ton of grace, says, I've got your back no matter what. You just, as long as you're happy. Uh, she moves to Los Angeles where she chases this dream to be a rock star, which she says uh, it's the same dream that 10,000 other people who moved to Los Angeles has. And sure enough, she ends up playing bars and gets one gig after another to finally be able to perform as an act. And uh, she falls in love with a very famous Hollywood actor. You can Google this. She doesn't mention it in the show. Of course I did. A very famous Hollywood actor's wife. And they have this torrid romance. And this woman leaves a very famous Hollywood actor for Melissa Etheridge. And they live in the Hollywood Hills together. And they start this life together. And then Sure enough, soon comes great stardom and she has this really poignant moment where she's like, all I ever wanted to be was rich and famous. And then once I got to that point, I realized there that meant nothing and that fame and that wealth and all that stuff was pretty hollow and empty. And I'm on the road 300 days out of the year and I'm doing European tours and I'm away from my kids. Like she sings songs throughout. Aaron, this is not Broadway.com. This is not theater mania, but my review is a very solid should go see on the Melissa Etheridge show. I wouldn't say you need to fly in for it tomorrow. This isn't going to be the craze that is Hamilton. I'm not going to say that you must you know, see it the first week, but if you want to laugh, cry, dance a little bit and you know, hear some great music and then just see it and just a wonderful performance from Melissa... Uh, I would advise going to see my window on Broadway. Your thoughts on my you know, Hollywood uh, slash Broadway review? I think uh, y you probably could have delivered it a little better. I think okay. you know maybe a little better lighting next time you do yes. it. Uh, yeah, no, no. I think I love the theater as well. My parents are both from the theater. And um, I also love that there has been this influx with Broadway with these kind of they're not just the jukebox musical. It's the artist doing the yes. song. So it's not just come see us uh, do uh, a bunch of Michael Jackson songs, which I'm sure isn't, I haven't seen. Apparently that show's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it, but. Um, you want to get the football link to this? The GM of the Seahawks, John Schneider's a friend, and he texted me on Thursday that his wife Tracy's in town. He's like, what's a good restaurant in the theater district? She's seeing the MJ show. Mm. And it's, sure enough, we want to do two reviews in one day. She freaking loved it. And the MJ show, which is a story about Michael Jackson, but obviously it's not him singing. Right. He's no longer with us, but it's the Michael Jackson story through that. But apparently that's awesome um, and worth seeing. But 
What's the other one? Uh, Merrily We, there's roll. another one. Merrily We Roll, which is supposed yeah. to be great. Again, Broadway reviews on a football podcast, but Melissa Etheridge, are you a fan of the music? Like I only knew three or four songs and that's not an insult to Melissa. I knew Come To My Window. I knew I'm The Only One and I knew what are the beginning songs the, were. I like, mean, those are the two I know. Like uh, for whatever reason, I think she was not something that my dad played as much. Like yeah. there, he was a Bonnie Raitt guy. Okay. So I have a lot of Bonnie Raitt stuff in my childhood. Let's give them something to yeah. talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, she was great. Uh, so here was this awkward moment for me. Again, me, me, me. This is becoming like a diary. I apologize. I got there on time with my wife. It's pouring rain. Yeah. We go to the will call. It's Thursday night. I mean, torrential rain. We go to the will call. The woman at the will call is like, I don't have your tickets. I'm like, ah, shit. My wife got all dressed up. We came to the theater. I'm like, damn. Um, all right, let's leave. And then she's like, well, what's your name? I'm like, it's Peter Schrager. She's like, I, we don't have you. I'm like, all right, great. I've gone. Like, sheepishly, going to go back on the two train back to Brooklyn. Like, literally, like, just embarrassed, mortified that this happened. Um, and then out of nowhere, some woman's like, wait, are you at the press? I'm like, kind of, I'm not covering it. Like, I don't, I don't work for Playbill, but right, like, yeah. yes, I am, I'm with the press. Peter Schrager like, of broadwayworld.com. Broadwayworld.com. Right. Um, here's my, my request to all the listeners and to you guys. Go to a site called theatermania.com. Theatermania.com. Click on the Melissa Etheridge show. Are you doing it right now, Aaron? Mm-hmm. Yes. What I didn't realize was, yes, I'm with the press, but I was an invited guest. I don't know what was going on in the situation. Like I blacked out, but I wasn't supposed to be at all doing this. Aaron, they, they, they asked me to walk the red carpet and I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you go through the list? You have it up yet. The red yep. carpet pictures. Can you go through the list of the names, some of the bigger ones for, and then the last picture and what this person is wearing first. Give it the who who hosted the Tonys this year? Do you know the name of the person who hosted the Tonys? Ariana Debose. Guess who was the Ariana Debose on that red carpet from Melissa? Sophia Bush is there. Sophia Bush, uh, Gina Gershon, who I grew up obviously loving uh, for her many roles. Who oh, else? Is- oh wait, who's this in in a white tee and a blue <laughs> button down? <laughs> Peter Schrager, right there. You should have seen the confused looks of who the. F- is this guy from the theater press? My wife was like, I'm not walking. Like, please come with me. Please come. I'm not walking that. We just got done. We got umbrellas. I got an umbrella in my hand. It's so <laughs> rainy. I'm wearing, honestly, I'm wearing a pair of jeans called Goodfellow, which is the jeans you get at Target. But for my size, they're the most comfortable. <laughs> so I've got Goodfellow jeans, a white t shirt, and it ain't a James Purse t shirt. We're talking like Old Navy white t shirt and a blue button down from J. Crew that is uh, open button down. And I walked the red carpet and sure enough, the next day I'm tagged in a million Broadway articles that I walked the red carpet. Uh, but like I always say, it's not about me, not about me at all. I mean, you look good. You got a really good smile. And I would never have guessed that you had five minutes before this been turned away at the ticket counter turned and, away and told that you did not have a ticket. <laughs> this is New York city in a nutshell. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. I walk off the subway. I'm getting drenched. I got splashed by a taxi. I'm soaking wet. My wife is furious that, that no, she's not furious, but my wife is a little like confused that we don't have uh, tickets after we lugged out in this rainy day. And we left our son and our six month old daughter to go see this show. And then within a flash, I'm on the red carpet with Ariana DeBose, who is the star of West Side Story and who hosted the Tonys. Life can happen that fast, Aaron. 
Yeah, a pair of good New York stories today. I like that a lot. We got it from from Jeremy Strong to JB Smoove to Ariana DeBose, and I barely even mentioned the name Taylor Swift. Uh, Aaron, thank you uh, to you, the viewers and the listeners. Thank you. We're having fun doing this uh, on behalf of Jason English, who is here with iHeart, Jason Kleinman, who works on the amazing social clips and the digital stuff, the folks out west, the people here. Um, Thanks to everybody for listening to the season with Peter Schrager and of course our guest Jason Light. Uh, till next week, let's hope it's JB Smooth, but uh, I wouldn't bank on it. These things, uh, if you don't press save on the uh, the, the screen grab of the QR code uh, company business card from the manager, you, you don't get a chance to have the guest on. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.